on a, on a more serious note regarding the word. Um, it seems lately that um, truth has been a hard thing to come by and that it was said that nothing is more powerful than the truth nor is strange. And 2,000 years ago, it was mentioned that what is truth? Well, it's nice to be able to read the word and to know that we have truth in what we read in spite of what the media and the tabloids and everybody says, especially about the vaccinations and everything. It goes back and forth what is true and what is not. So it's nice to put our anchor in God's word. So I'm going to be reading out of the New King James, and I believe the overhead is going to be in the ESV version. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he has that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we do not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God, and spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Can you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you in this joyous season to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But for many, it is not so joyous. For many, it is filled with heartache because of illness or lost ones or singleness through divorce. So many things that weigh heavy on the hearts, financial issues of people today, God. We just pray that you would minister to them through your Holy Spirit, Lord. And those of us that are able to be more blessed in the sense that you are with us, we just pray for those who do not know you, God, and that their hearts will fill with joy no matter what their circumstances are, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to pick it up in verse 12, but I do want to remind us where we've come from. Uh, <clears throat> Peter is in this section laying out for us this idea, I need to remind you, and what he's reminding them of is what we discussed last time. The best defense <clears throat> for false teaching is true living. Christian who knows what he believes and why he believes it will rarely be fooled or seduced by false teachers. So here is what Peter told us last week. He has granted to us his precious and very great promises. These precious and very great promises are found where? In his word, right? So we <clears throat> open his word and we lay hold of those great and precious promises. Now, one of the things my wife has been doing uh, lately with some of the folks that she's uh, meeting with or counseling with is encouraging them to go find a promise, which requires the person who's struggling to go open up their word and read and look for a promise in the scripture that encourages you and lay hold of it. Peter is saying, since we have these precious and very great promises, <clears throat> so that we have become partakers of the divine nature, meaning we, have take, we take on the, the characteristics of God. How do we do that? We do that by the anointing of his Holy Spirit. When someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? He changes your nature. There are things in your nature you don't like to do, right? Yeah, like for example, Rick has low platelets. And I read online that if you eat fish, it can help your platelets. But he hates fish. It's against his nature to eat fish. So we have this fun little dialogue that we have going. Every time his platelets go down, I tell him he has to go eat a fish. And he tells me things I can't share with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> tells me, yeah, actually, he's okay if I go drink a monster, but I'm not supposed to do that either. So when we're partakers of the divine nature, the Holy Spirit takes residence in us. That's the empowerment to do the things Peter's asking us to do. So remember last time we talked about being disciplined, because the scripture goes on, right, that says we've escaped the corruption of the world through salvation, right? We are saved, the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the great and precious promises of God. 
So we are being, we're saved, we escape the corruption of the world because of sin, therefore make every effort. So we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Scripture would teach us you have already everything you need. So we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and we make every effort to add to our faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, self-control, steadfastness, to steadfastness, godliness, to godliness, brotherly affection, to brotherly affection, love. Now, if you spend some time studying the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to see that the majority of that comes through the fruit of the Spirit. Living a life submitted to the Spirit. God's Spirit lead us. That God's Spirit direct us. That God's Spirit empower us. That we want to say and do and be the men and women God's calling us to be by His power and through the gift He's given us. Now we we lay hold of that gift <clears throat> as we pour God's word into our life. We need the word of God like a baby needs milk, right? The scripture has told us, Peter already told us this, we grow like a baby grows through the mother's milk, we grow through the word of God, which means we have to have a steady diet of the word. Amen? So this is the challenge. So when we talk about the idea, I, I, I don't want the idea that everything about being a Christian is just self-will. I'm just going to will myself into being all these things. No, I need to surrender myself to the power of God's spirit. And I need to feed myself spiritually what I need to grow. Just like a baby having his milk. We need to have that steady diet of the word, which kind of brings us to, to what we're talking about today in verse 12 of, uh, of 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Peter says, so therefore I sought to always remind you of these qualities. Always remind you, meaning I'm reiterating myself over and over again. Have you ever heard that repetition is the mother of learning? The way we learn thing is we repeat. We keep Repeating, Peter says, I need to keep reminding you these things. I want to remind you to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Well, the flesh is easy. You don't even have to try to walk in the flesh, right? But he says here, make every effort to add to your faith these things. So we want to walk in the spirit. Those things are fruit of the spirit. So I need to make every effort to walk in the spirit. I need the diet. I have to bring in, I have to put in God's word. Now, that doesn't mean you have to come listen to me. Listen to me is maybe a, maybe a small, tiny portion of that. You need a diet of God's word. And, and it is going to be our prayer as we begin this new year that that's something that God's going to lead us <clears throat> to accomplish. Now, as we come to this, I want to cover this idea. Peter is, is thinking here in chapter 1, listen, my time's about over. I'm going to die. All the apostles, they came to this point. Now, when I talk about the apostles, I'm specifically talking about the eyewitnesses that God used to provide for you and I what we know today as the New Testament. The New Testament written by eyewitnesses who were there, who knew, 
Um, and they put together these orderly accounts that we have through which we come to know these great and precious promises. So Peter's looking around and he's going everywhere he can telling everybody. So are the other disciples, right? They're walking around, they're sharing their faith wherever they go. But eventually they begin to realize their numbers are dwindling. Right? And so Peter says, you know, we should probably write these things down. So he's going to lay out this idea. Men will die, but the word of God will not pass away. God will establish, enable his word to be preserved. And that's exactly what we see taking place. His word is preserved. You see, the apostles laid the foundation of the church. We read about that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Paul writes this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. One big family of God. Built on what? On the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. <clears throat> now, the apostles and the prophets are not the foundation. They provided that foundation. What did the apostles and prophets do? They wrote for us great and precious promises. Are you tracking with me? They, provi they provided for us the word of God. The apostles laid out this word. The prophets laid out this word. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. So the word of God comes and Jesus Christ is the, they are witnesses to him. The Old Testament prophets were witnesses to Messiah, even though they never saw him. The book of Hebrews says these men, they believed in the promise, even though they didn't see the fulfillment of the promise. So we see this moving forward. The apostles are not the foundation. Jesus is, but the apostles are the witnesses. The prophets were the witnesses. The witnesses of the truth of God's word. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So as they come to, to the end of their ability to be that vocal part of ministry, they write scripture down. They send their letters out. The church reveres their writings and holds on to those writings, and they are in your lap here more than 2,000 years later. We have the, the transmission of the text from them to us. And like all of God's servants, Peter is immortal until his work is done. Nobody could take Peter's life till he was done doing what God ordained that he do. And the same was true for all the other disciples. Now, they have presented you and I with great and precious promises. This, that which nurtures us in our walk with Christ so that we can add to our faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, right? So that we can be uh, disciplined members of the body of Christ who know the word, who are, are having a steady diet of the word, and who walk in the spirit. Those two things function together to make the profound life of a believer. That's what it looks like. It's not overly complicated, but it is something that we want to be able to walk in. So Peter lays out for us his motives. Look what he says. Therefore, I intended always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. 
We want to be able to walk in that truth. Jerry alluded to it, right? What, what was truth? Truth is, Jesus said, right? I am the way, the, and the, no man comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus Christ is the truth. He is also called the word of God. He is God's word to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He has in the revelation of God provided you and I the beauty of God's message to mankind in Jesus Christ. God, very God. The one who was face to face with the Father, John 1 declares. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. That word with means face to face. Face to face. John 1.18 says that Jesus Christ is God in the bosom of the Father who has been given to us. And this glory, Peter says, we beheld, we saw him. We were there, and that's what he's going to lay out for us today. So Peter wants to be obedient. Do you have a, a desire to be obedient to the Lord? Now, Peter's desire for obedience probably stems back to his failure. Has anybody ever seen failure in your life become the motivation for something better? Right? Like, ooh, I don't really like how that went. I would like to do that different next time. Right? And, and honestly, that's what, that's what Dylan was up here professing this morning. That's what we all want. We are, we're learning from our past failures to say, look, I, I've been down that road. I see where it goes. I don't want to take that road anymore. I want change in my life, right? I want God to redeem the work that he has begun. In Luke 22, verse 31, it says, <clears throat> the Lord speaking to Peter says, Simon, Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. You guys remember? Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed that your faith may not fail. Now, did Peter fail? Yes. Did his faith fail? That's the difference between Peter and Judas. Peter's faith did not fail. In the end, he returns to the Lord. Yes? Because where else would I go? There's no place else to go, God. Peter did not run to suicide as Savior. Peter ran to Jesus as Savior. So he says, I have prayed. And when you return again, what's he telling them to do? Strengthen the brethren. Is that a command by Jesus Christ to Peter? And is Peter trying to obey that command? I want to remind you. I want to remind you. His desire is to strengthen the brethren. But the Lord also gave commands to Peter about feeding lambs, didn't he? In John chapter 21, verse 15, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yea, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. That's poimon. It means shepherd my sheep. In verse 17, he goes on. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? So he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. These are commands that Jesus gave unto Peter face to face. When you return, you're going to fall, Peter. But after you fall, when you return, do what? Strengthen the brethren and feed the lambs and shepherd the sheep and feed the sheep. So here we see Peter responding, right? I always, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Walk in the spirit and eat the word. Walk in the spirit and eat the word. Uh, To me, that's as, as simple as we can get it down. Though you know them and you are established in the truth that you have. I want, Peter says, to be obedient to what the Lord has called me to do. This is a response that we all want to have, isn't it? If we're a follower of Jesus Christ, don't we want to be obedient to him? We certainly don't want this to be said, right? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? So Peter is saying we want, we have this desire to walk in obedience. It's a a good motive, right? Now, the ability to walk in obedience, where does that come from? Self-will? No. The ability to walk in obedience comes from, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and a steady diet of his word. The empowerment of the Spirit and a steady diet of his word. He goes on in verse 13, I think it right as long as I am in the body to stir you up by way of reminder. I want to remind you. I want to stir you up. What's he want to stir us up to? If you're being stirred up, what are you being stirred up for? Action, right? He's not saying I'm stirring you up so you don't do anything. Nobody stirs something up to not do anything. He's stirred up to, to, to move, to accomplish, to do, to move and be what God wants us to be. I want to remind you. You ever notice that we tend to forget the things we ought to remember and then we remember the things we should have forgot? Does that happen to anybody else? The older I get, the harder it is to remember anything. It's really incredible. Like, for example, it's Chris's birthday tomorrow. And I totally forgot. But I remember now. But I remember now. So if you guys see Chris, Chris, you want to stand up so everybody knows who you are? Come on. They already know who you are. That's Chris. That, so, so when you see her as we're leaving today, tell her happy birthday tomorrow. I can remember. Oh, her daughter's birthday is Tuesday. So you can get a two for one. (laughs) Don't be like me and forget. Remember. Now listen to what the word tells us. Don't we say, okay, is this about self-will or the empowerment of a spirit? In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and what? Bring to your remembrance everything I said to you. So what is it that he's telling us that the Holy Spirit's going to bring to our remembrance the things that we've poured in from his word? Steady diet of his word, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We, We want to walk in these things to be reminded. Why? Because life is short. Anybody run out of time before? I used to say, I had a grandma I, I loved to death. She, uh, 
was, you know, I don't know, maybe this happens to every kid. It was my favorite grandma. The one, basically she's my favorite because I had a relationship with her. I didn't really have relationships with my other grandparents. But <clears throat> this grandma, she raised me. When, when I was a little baby, I got grandma to quit smoking by taking the cigarette out of her mouth and throwing it in the back seat of the car. <laughs> now, here, there are some people right now who are going, how did you do that? Well, we didn't used to have to be in car seats. <laughs> so I was standing in the front seat next to grandma driving down the road. <laughs> grandma was puffing on a cigarette. My grandma smoked, my mom smoked, my grandpa smoked. Everybody, I remember them telling me to stick my hand out like that so they could put their ashes in my hand. And then I, I'm a little kid. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? So this was my whole family. But grandma said I got her to quit smoking by throwing her cigarette in the, in the, in the back of the car. Now, I loved grandma. We had a great relationship. And as I grew in the Lord, and I was unsure about grandma's relationship with the Lord, I was burdened to talk to her. But I ran out of time. You ever run out of time? If you do, you will learn not to let that happen again. We don't want to run out of time. We want to take advantage of the time. We want to use the time that God has given us. So as we look at the scripture, what it lays out for us, Peter saying, look, I'm, I know that my departure is soon. And so I want to provide dependable written revelation. So you can recall these things because I'm not always going to be here to tell you. Now I know more than I've known in the past before. I'm not always going to be here. You need to have a steady diet of God's word so that he can stir you and remind you that the Holy Spirit will function in your life and bring forward those things that you have made a part of your life to be diligent and add these things. Because this written word, whoa, did you guys see that? Did I kill it? I'm good at fixing things. Okay, if it falls, I might have to borrow your Bible. Anyway, the, the written word that we have received, that it, it accomplishes things in our life. For example, Peter wrote 1 Peter chapter 1, 23 through 25. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, how? Through the living and abiding word of God. How do, we, how do we come to salvation? You can't come to salvation apart from the word. The word of God is what tells us we're a sinner and we're in need of a savior. The word of God is that which provides it. He says in verse 24, all flesh is grass and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord does what? Remains forever. You always have this with us. The word of God nurtures us. We already talked about it. 1 Peter 2.2. 2. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. See, we want to become more and more the men and women God wants us to be. How do we get there? We don't sit down with a list like I provided you last week and say, I'm going to will myself into these things. 
we put God's word in. I'm reminded that Elisha, the school of the prophets, they were cooking a dinner. They're out and they're cooking a dinner and, and uh, they put some bad juju in the pot of stew. This is a Jackie paraphrase. Don't panic. They put bad, it's there. You guys can look. They put bad juju in the, in the pot. And so they go to taste it and they go, oh my gosh, there's death in the pot. There's death in the pot. And I think we sometimes look at our life and we say, there's death in the pot. And so our plan is I'm going to take the pot and I'm going to pick out all the death. So I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to stop doing that. 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 But you know what Elisha said to do? He said, get the meal, the meal, the, the bread, and pour it in. And as they poured that in, it flushed out the death that was in the pot. How do we get death out of our life? We pour in the word, the meal, the bread. We pour it into our life. Stop trying to peck out all the little things. You haven't been able to peck them out. Any, you're not going to do it anytime soon. How do we get it? How do we get that changed? The word. The word. Pour the word of God into our life. Be stirred to action. He says in verse 15 that I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Now, here's our stirring as we move forward. The truth of Jesus and his return is based on eyewitness testimony. And this is an area that Peter's focused on because this is a specific area that the false teachers were monkeying with. Look at what he says in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's, he's talking about a specific issue, right? The power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when all the disciples were there at the ascension and they were watching Jesus ascend to the Father? You remember what the angel said? What are you guys doing? Gazing up into heaven. He'll be back again. But he had just given them marching orders, didn't he? Before he left, Jesus declared, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go, therefore, make disciples. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them the things I told you. And know this, I am with you even unto the end of the age. Right? So Jesus declares this. He says, look, I, I will come again. Peter says, this is not a myth. So apparently, the, and we'll see it as we get into chapter 3, apparently the false teachers, that's one of the things they were declaring as a myth. The myth is, oh, Jesus is not coming back. Right? Peter's going to say in chapter 3, for some say, where is the promise of his coming? Things are still going on as they always have. Here, here, Peter's saying, this is not a myth. This is not a cleverly devised myth. We made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him in glory. We saw him in glory. 
Matthew 25, verse 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. This is, a, this is the talk of Jesus Christ and his glorious return. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire and inflicting vengeance on all those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. There is a day when Jesus Christ will return in power. We sing songs at Christmas time about Jesus born as a little baby in a manger. That he came as, as the meek. He came to offer up the atoning sacrifice for the, for the sins of men. He came as the lamb. But the scripture tells us he will return as the lion. That's why they call him the lion and the lamb. He will return in power. This is what Peter's talking about. But the false teachers were saying, no, 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 he's not coming. Now look, 2 Peter 3, 4 this is the point he's moving to. Don't lose sight of it. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue since the beginning of creation. So the issue with the false teachers is Jesus is not coming back. Peter, as he's building on the idea, he says, I want you to know that we have the word of God confirmed because we saw it with our eyes. We saw the glory of the Lord. We're not following myths. We're not making up stories. False teachers were insisting that the apostolic teaching was myth. In particular, the idea that Jesus Christ would return again. But he's saying, no, we're following eyewitness accounts. And the, the moment that Peter points to is the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. The transfiguration, you guys have time later today to look at, is in uh, Matthew chapter 17. He says, we received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard the very voice born from heaven and we were with him on the holy mountain. We were there in that place. Now, what was the point of the transfiguration? Well, the transfiguration accomplished several things. One of those things being this. It confirmed Peter's testimony in Matthew 16 about who Jesus is. You remember that Jesus asked them. He's in the district of Caesarea Philippi, Matthew 16, verse 13. And he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are Mashiach. You are Messiah. 
You understand the importance of that? We lose it sometimes because in the New Testament we read the word Christ. Christ means you are the anointed one. You are the one the prophets have been telling us about that was coming. You're him. You're the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah, the King, the one Daniel spoke of in Daniel chapter 9, the one who will establish his kingdom. You are that. You are Messiah. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, God of God. You are he who is spoken of to come. Now, in Matthew 16, 28, later on in the chapter, Jesus says, truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. Some of you will not taste death until you've seen that. And then chapter 17, verse 1, connects 16 and 17 together. It says, Kai, and, Jesus said this, and after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother. Those things are not put together on accident. Some of you will see the Son of Man come in his kingdom, and Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And what did they see up that high mountain? They saw the glory of God. They saw the flesh part and the glory, the majesty, the dominion, the power of Jesus Christ revealed right there before them. You remember Peter's looking at it and he says, oh my gosh, and there's Jesus in all his glory and beside him is Moses and Elijah. The law and the prophets. The law and the prophets who declared what? Messiah is coming. And there they see with their eyes Messiah standing with the one who represents the law and the prophets. Discussing things. And Peter says, oh man, we should build three tabernacles. Do you remember? We should build three tabernacles. And, and God, the Father, interrupts him. This is my beloved son. This is the son whom I love. In whom I am well pleased. Shh. Listen to him. Peter, stop talking. If I could learn that lesson, so many things in my life would be better. <laughs> Sometimes something's going on and we think, we, I got to say something. And if I had a nickel for every time I said something that was dumb in those times, I'd like to take all those back. So the Lord, so they see the majesty, dominion, and power of God standing before, in Jesus Christ, standing before <clears throat> Moses and Elijah, and they hear the voice of God. He's saying, we're eyewitnesses. His kingdom is come. It is already and not yet. Right? It is here through the power of his Holy Spirit and the and the life of believers in the church, but there's a day when it will be here in a greater degree, right? We are not seeing the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, but the, there will be a day. Yes, he who left is also he who will return again. Who will return again and establish his kingdom. So listen, <clears throat> Peter is using this event to say, this eyewitness account confirms the precious promises I'm talking about. Jesus is coming back, and when he does, he's coming in power. I saw his power. 
I saw his glory. I heard the father say, this is my son. This is him. This is the one. We're not waiting for another. He is the once and future king. He is king of kings and lord of lords. But there were false teachers who were robbing the body of Christ of their blessed hope. You know, Titus talks about that blessed hope of our, the appearing of our glorious God and Savior Jesus Christ. Our blessed hope to see his face, to see his face. That's a glorious day. That's a glorious day when we see the face of Jesus Christ, our Lord. But the false teachers, they're denying it. They're saying, oh, he's not coming. Jesus, you know, told a parable about this. There will be people who say when the master goes away, he's going to stay gone. Don't worry about it. And what are they going to do? They're going to get drunk and they're going to do all these other things. They're going to live this life that does not comport with the reality of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And then when the master returns, he returns at a time when they were not expecting. Oh, isn't that weird? Jesus would tell that parable. So what was the, what was the challenge to those who were stewards of the master? Be sober, be watchful. Be ready, right? Every day, every day. There's, there's lots of ways we can see the Lord, isn't there? Yep, I'll get hit by a truck tomorrow. I'm going to see the Lord. Jesus Christ could call his church home, and I will see the Lord. And Jesus Christ one day will return to the earth, feet on the ground, banner stuck in the dirt, declaring all the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God, of his Christ, of his Messiah. This is what Peter's hope was for the body. They're living under trials, persecution, Rome's the government at the time. They're looking at all this stuff and they're saying, man, I, I really wish Jesus was king today. And Peter's saying he will be. He will be, but you've been given a job. The master has gone away and he's left you a steward of his house. Don't be like those lazy servants who thought the master was a long ways off and they began to be those full of eating and drinking and beating other servants. Be a faithful servant of God. Yeah? This is what... Scripture is calling us to. And so in verse 19, listen what he says. He says, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to us to which you do well to pay attention. Like a, light, a lamp shining in a dark place. He said, Look, I'm not telling you made up stories. I saw him in his glory. Like we'll see him the day he returns. Peter says, I saw him. I heard the father's voice. This is not some made-up story. I was there. James was there. John was there. We saw with our own eyes the things that we report to you. So he's saying we have the prophetic word fully confirmed in the eyewitness accounts that we're giving. So what is that? So let that prophetic word shine as a lamp in a dark place. The hope. Let that light dawn in the dark. Anybody in the dark right now? I know I, I read all the stuff you guys. 
I see the prayer request this year between Thanksgiving, uh, earlier, a little bit earlier than Thanksgiving, all the way to to Christmas. I don't. I, I've lost count of how many people have died, how many people have been struggling with uh, severe uh, um, illnesses and and tragic events that have been going on in families. It seems like uh, worse than any one one season of this period of time that I can remember. 25 years, I've done more funerals in the last three weeks uh, than I've done ever during this season. There's a lot of pain and hurt and darkness. What do we need in the dark? A lamp. A lamp that what? Tells us of our hope. The hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the hope. He's saying, look, we have this confirmed. Let, let this lamp shine until it happens, until the day dawns and a morning star arises in your heart. Numbers talks about the star being a person. I'm not talking about the star that the three wise men followed, which, by the way, there's probably more than three, but there were three gifts that were important. So, but the idea, as we look at this, this, he's not talking about the star over the baby, the Bible tells us in Numbers, this is why it's important to be uh, uh, having a steady diet of the Word of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Numbers that the star is a person, that he's coming. A star will come out of Judah. This star coming forth, he's saying this morning star, we're holding on to the lamp, the hope of what has been confirmed in prophecy until we see the reality. Of Jesus Christ. Until we see the reality. The morning star rises in our hearts. And you need to know and understand this. Peter says. No prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Here's the worst thing we can ever say at a Bible study. What does this mean to you? Yes, I know we all do that. But it's bad. Because it doesn't matter what it means to you. It means what it means. Right? When I write a, if I, if I wrote a letter to my wife, I would not want her to say, well, what I think you mean by this is, I'd be like, oh, what in the world are you talking about? I know what I meant. I wrote it. So when we come to the word of God, we don't come to the word of God with a private interpretation. We come to the word of God being challenged by what is it that the, that the Lord intended. And in this particular case that Peter's talking about, this prophetic word that's been confirmed by eyewitness testimonies, the apostles told us what it means. The false teachers are saying the apostles got it wrong. No, the apostles did not get it wrong. No scripture, no prophecy comes by private, someone's own interpretation this scripture comes as a result of the breathing of God and his spirit into the hearts and lives of those who wrote it. And there was a specific message that God intended. When we study the word of God, simple concept, we first come to the word of God to make observation. It means we want to see what's all there. Turn over the stones. Look at the words. Take careful observation of what you see why because our observation is going to lead to interpretation and interpretation is there's one thing he meant 
There's one interpretation. There are multiple applications. But to have right application, we first must have proper interpretation, which requires careful observation. You guys tracking with me? So, it's not our feelings, it's not careful observation, by the way. I feel hungry today, so this means, no. He means what he wrote. He means what he said. We want to be faithful to follow God's clear teaching of Scripture. No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. This is a problem these days. This is a problem these days because there are people out there who want to practice prophecy. There is no, how much prophecy comes by the will of man? Isn't that what he said? No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Lord, I want to give a prophetic word. Well, that's nice. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. How much prophecy came from the will of man? I'm going to give you a test later. No prophecy ever came from the will of man. Prophecy comes from the spirit of God. No prophecy ever came from the will of man. Prophecy comes from the spirit of God. When we, you know, as, as the Lord, I don't have time today, I'm already late. But there's so much more. See you guys at coffee in the morning. So when we look at the, the concept, I want you to understand, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit and how the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to function. One of the things that Paul says is he says, will all speak in tongues? It's a rhetorical question, which demands the negative answer. No, everyone does not speak in tongues. Will all prophesy? It's a rhetorical question. What does it demand? A negative answer. So your desire to prophesy has nothing to do with your ability to prophesy. So practicing prophecy is how you practice being a false prophet. We should not do that. Are you guys tracking with me? We want to walk in obedience to the word of God. Peter is saying, look, the transfiguration is the eyewitness account through which I know that Jesus Christ will come in power and glory. I know this because prophecy is not a private interpretation. Some guy can't come along and say, I'm wrong. Peter said, I'm an apostle. I was there. He was called of God. There are not any apostles today. The apostles all died when the New Testament was written. There's no apostles. The requirement for being an apostle was you saw Jesus Christ in power and glory in his earthly ministry. Anybody here seen that? No. Then you can't be an apostle. And those apostles were gifted by the breath of the Holy Spirit to write for us the word of God. And the word of God is finished. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus has said everything he intends to say through his son, Jesus Christ. Everything God had to say, he has said to us. We have it. We have what God has said and we're not putting it in. This is what Peter's talking about. The diet of the word, walking in the spirit. Diet of the word, walking in the spirit. Psalm 2-7 and Isaiah 42-1. 
both Old Testament prophetical scriptures that we're talking about, <clears throat> the Lord, Yahweh, saying to the Son, you are my Son, today I have begotten you. The Father declared at the transfiguration, behold, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. We have the prophetic word confirmed. Isaiah 42, 1. Behold my servant upon whom, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. Isaiah 42, 1, fulfilled at the transfiguration. The word is confirmed. The day of the Lord will come. So Peter's argument here is that the readers would pay attention to the prophetic word as it is interpreted by the apostles in the New Testament. That we hold fast to that which they have taught us. Because these Old Testament prophets are not up for some personal interpretation. They have, they have been interpreted authoritatively by the power of the Spirit for you and I today. This is produced by the Spirit of God, not by the will of man. So Peter, as he's building this idea for us, as we, as we kind of wrap these things together, he's saying, you have good and precious promises that you need to pour into your life. This is how the nature, your nature is changed by the Holy Spirit in your life, changing you from the inside out. The word of God he's going to use to bring about that change. You do that and you add to your faith these things as you walk in the spirit. And know that we have the prophetic word confirmed. Jesus Christ will return and we don't want to be the servants who said, where is the coming of the Lord who began eating and drinking and were not ready when he came? This is what Peter's talking about and we'll see it as he continues to build this idea moving forward. Amen? Why don't you guys stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning, for an opportunity to come to your word, for the opportunity that you give us to study. God, your word declares to us, God, you declare to us that we are to study to show ourselves approved workmen of God, good students of the word, rightly dividing the word of truth. And as we come to your word and as we study it, God, I just pray, Lord, that this is not just an exercise in some kind of intellectual exercise, but this is a reality of what it looks like as men and women who love Jesus walk in the spirit. We pour in the diet of the spirit when we pour in your word. We walk in obedience when we worship and when we pray. And God's spirit will change us from the inside out. That divine nature will change our appetite, the things I desire. Because when I'm having a steady diet of the word, it's amazing that other things won't satisfy. I don't want junk food. I want real food. I don't want the, I don't want the silly things. I don't want the things that that distract or distort. I, I want truth. The, the Lord declared in John chapter 4 that the days were coming when all who would worship the Father must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And that truth is 
Jesus Christ my Savior and the word that he has provided us. May we pour his word in. And may the spirit take that word and churn it in our life, getting rid of the poison. Move that stuff out, Lord. Purify us internally. Sanctify us through the ministering of your Holy Spirit that we will become the men and women you're calling us to. Lord, we pray as we look at this book, this incredible book, and we recognize that, that still today there are those who would say, where is the promise of the Lord's coming? It's been 2,000 years. He's not here. He's not coming back. May we be reminded of the parable Jesus said, the master went away on a long journey. He left behind stewards who began to say, where is the return of the Lord? God, I pray that we would be men and women who are found ready because we walk in the spirit of God and we have a diet of the word of God. May you mold us and make us into your image so that the words that come out of our mouth will glorify you and so that the things that come out of our life, the deeds we do, will bring you glory that you Lord will be magnified and glorified and that we will be found ready at your return Lord we ask your blessing as we move to a time of prayer we ask God that you would be glorified in this place we give you thanks in Jesus name